0: Holly wants to know. Oh my God, this is amazing, Pete. How are you feeling? Ha ha. <laughs> she, she, I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush TV crush worthy, you know, and I love <laughs> it. So I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for checking in on me.
1: Hey Beverly Hills 90210 fans, are you ready to dive deep, episode by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code. With your host, Charles Rosen. <laughs> Did I say that? She was this foolish
2: thing about the, the, the real person. And we going, what? We're getting
0: rid of this guy.
1: Pete Ferrero. And
0: growing up, my like TV crush is Claire Arnold. So, I mean, she has to come on the show at this point.
1: Fashion guru, Perry She Sanditon. was like 25
0: or something. <laughs> what the hell? She looked so old.
1: Like so many special guests. And all your questions, live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh, yeah.
0: Hey, hey. Here we are on another exciting episode here of the Beverly Hills 90210 show. I am super, super excited. We have so many fun surprises and things coming. We're covering two episodes, so it's going to be a little bit like the super show, but not as hectic. Christmas super. Yeah, Kristen is with us, a.k.a. Melissa. It is so good to see you from one man and a baby. The work is just absolutely amazing all those years ago. How are you? How's everything been going these days for you?
3: <laughs> In the last 30 years. Go.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's good.
3: Everything's good. I think this is a crazy time uh, for everybody. So being here and being able to take a take a ride to the past is so fun.
0: Yes, we've been doing that every week, and Hank is with us. Hank edited both these episodes, which is a very exciting and interesting perspective. Uh, we haven't really gone down that road too much, and of course, Sarah from Us Weekly, and Perry, and Charles, and Karen, yes, it feels a little bit like Hollywood Squares. Uh, oh hey, God. Melanie is going to be with us for one second, because yes. she's going to tell us about something very cool called Gilded Giraffe Home. Melanie, what's what's up with Gilded Giraffe Home?
5: Well, uh, if you tuned into 9 News last week, you probably noticed I've been wearing these adorable earrings, um, and they are handmade by Gilded Giraffe Home. Um, This is one of our first sponsorships that we're sharing, and we're very excited to do it with you. Um, So Gilded Giraffe Home is a small woman-owned business. Uh, She makes adorable handmade items, which are perfect for holiday gifts this season. Um, She's got a boho glam aesthetic, and it mixes modern macrame Um, with uh, gilded accents. She's got earrings and mask holders, dream catchers, holiday decor, all kinds of cute stuff. Um, A couple of her earring designs are actually named after the Golden Girls. Uh, There's a Sophia and there's a rose in there. So check those out. Um, And if you visit uh, gildedgiraffehome.com and you use code 90210, you'll save 10% off your first order. Um, so check it out. She's got super cute stuff for the holidays. Uh, follow her on Instagram as well, at Gilded Giraffe Home um, underscore in between the words. And um, again, support small business and shop small this holiday season. It's been such a crazy year. So the more we can support these, you know, woman-owned small businesses, um, you know, we, we hope you like it, and and thanks for checking her out.
0: All right, Melanie, thank you for that. Uh, tell her to name some after some nine hundred two one zero. That's uh-huh. what I
5: was thinking,
2: Brandi right. and Kelly.
5: Absolutely, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Need them Good a little idea. Up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what we Taylor can do. Taylor All right, yes.
0: Melanie, we're gonna say goodbye to you before we <laughs> actually get into this episode. I have a big mystery surprise. I told everybody that we were gonna have a mystery guess. So, Kristen, I thought um, you know it would be appropriate to reunite you with your son,
3: Joey. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so adorable!
2: Hi. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Oh my God! Oh,
0: that's
2: yeah, crazy. Course. You yeah. haven't changed a bit. Yeah,
4: <laughs> he's still a
0: baby. No, it's it's Joey. Danielle was one of four twins that played uh, Joey. There is no way you have any recollection of doing that. But what have you heard about it? Uh, I don't know. My mom's told me, like, they would just switch us out when we were asleep. Or whoever was sleeping, they just switch us out. Yeah. D- did you get a chance to watch this episode?
2: Yeah, I actually watched it, like, two hours ago. <laughs> <Is> that-
0: <laughs> what do you think of your performance? Can you identify yourself of the four twins? Do you know who, too? Yeah.
6: Uh so I uh, I screenshotted it. It was uh, I was asleep in the crib with like
0: my hands like that. And then uh, right after it was
7: definitely my brother.
3: That's so funny.
7: That's amazing. <laughs> the uh, baby cried a lot. There was a lot of utzing going on with that baby. Yeah, you know, really, really got oh, a lot got of
2: direction. Time. Well, with that, Thank you. So I, okay.
7: quite really quite got into character yeah. there, Daniel.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Kristen, do you remember working with the baby? Uh, Daniel, at all, and what was that experience like for you at that age?
3: That is so sweet. I, you know, I. This is what I do remember. I remember getting to set early when when we were going to work with you guys to hang out in your dressing room. Now I don't know which set of twins it was, but I was like, give just give me a baby. I want to play with a baby. <laughs> so, yeah. So and I don't know. I don't know. But I do remember going to work early like those days so that I could play with. With the babies, yeah.
2: You had much experience in your own personal life with holding babies, so you're, you know, yeah. your auntie or something like that. Yeah, or
3: we're Catholic or... and we're Italian, so we like. <laughs> That's just, just
2: everywhere. Yeah,
3: right. yeah so it, it is, but I but I waited late to have mine, so I I just borrowed people's like and on sets and pretend babies and pretend sons and daughters and got my fill and yeah. That's
0: amazing. Well, Daniel, is there anything you'd like to say to mom before we uh, say goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> Good to
7: see After you. It's been like uh, thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> How many months was he supposed to be at the, at that time? I don't know. Oh, really? no, probably, oh, yeah. I
3: don't really know. Probably, I don't know. He looked like he was about what ten months, something like yeah. that.
8: Yeah, now your
0: brother got to do this too. Have you guys talked about this experience together, Daniel?
8: Uh, mm. I told him that he reach out to me.
0: Uh, he didn't seem too enthused, but my mom <laughs>
2: thought it was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, our show is all about finding these uh, these little guest stars and big guest stars, and uh, trying to put it all together. All right, Daniel, we're gonna say goodbye to you. I don't. I would keep you on the entire episode, but I don't know that you would have much to input on the creation yeah. of this, considering <laughs> you were like uh, ten months old. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming, buddy. I was yeah.
0: The fans are loving it, by the way. So, all right, man. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah. All right, all right. There goes Joey once Aww. again. You've got to go change his diaper. All right. So let's let's uh, let's dive into this. Starting with Chuck first. Um, I love going back to season one. I was just going to say this again somewhere in like the interview clips that we did. It's just such a fun trip. It's the episodes I find now when I go back to season one. I find that I'm. I like them even more because they're simpler. I don't need to wrap my brain around who is who's dating who. You know what I mean? Like I could just focus in on the story at hand. Um, Tell me about the creation of this particular episode. Was a lot going on behind the scenes at that time?
2: Uh, It's a little bit of an understatement. You know, the first, you know, you guys have heard me talk about the first twelve and just how how topsy turvy they were. But you could break them down. There were the first six then there was a transitional episode where, where Paul Wagner, our longtime producer and friend, came on the series. And then there were these other shows, and we kind of broke them down by the producers. Everybody wanted to have a little more autonomy in their work, particularly my, my colleagues on this. So General Art of Listening, Isn't It Romantic, and BYOB, We're Karen, it fell under our purview, Karen and my purview. One man and a baby, then followed by Slumber Party was Darren, right. and then there was East Side was Carmen Sternwood, and then that's the uh, and so so this was an episode that was um, extremely interesting for for from a production standpoint. Before we go to Hank and talk about that, or, or Christian, with the want to hear her thoughts about the character uh, herself, but. Um, the idea being it really was merging of two stories. Darren Star had the idea of the radio contest. I think he had that was one of his original kind of funny B story uh, pitches from when we started, you know, together, you know, from, from the first, from the green room on. So, and this is where we slotted it in. Mixed it with Amy's sense of having a, a think of the character of Melissa, a strong woman who's had a baby who's taking Who's defying the uh, social norms and with, a, with, a, with an uber amount of confidence and a lot of indulgence and and what that would be and and so we merged the two together and um, interestingly enough the if you that you know that from a production standpoint which of course was also part of of my purview for this one um, that uh, it was the idea of the, the stunt, the actually having the actresses jump out of the plane and, and get that done. How would we do that? And it was a real pivotal moment for me. I'll share this. If I ever do finish or start that, I've started the book. If I ever finished the book, this, this story will definitely be in it because it was a turning point, this episode for me personally, because um, this was a big deal. This was a big stunt to do. And we always had, every episode started with myself and the director and Duke Vincent Mm -hmm. having a tone meeting. And Duke wasn't real happy after he read the script because he didn't believe there was any way that we could do this well. And that as the writer producer, I had to come back with a backup plan. And God bless our associate producer, a woman named Livia Hanish, who's down in Australia, Sarah Page Hall, if you're listening. I've tried to contact her to come on the show. She was great. She did the first two seasons. And um, and she got this stunt to be done uh, mm. for a price. And after that, Duke and uh, never came to a 90210 hotel meeting. <laughs> he actually gave me the show with that. Right. He was very happy that we did such a good stunt for that. So I look at the stunt first, not the baby first. I, I have to confess on that when I look at it. But I also think it was very funny. And I want to hear about from you, Hank, you know, not only did did with the scene with the baby in this, did you, um, you know, I mean, you look, this was one I know you really like of all the 15 or so episodes you cut for us because of the humor in it, in the scene that you, you know, had with Brandon and and the baby, those those scenes, (laughs) Steve and all that. And you want to talk about how that was, I mean. Because only you know the outtakes, right? Well,
4: <laughs> the first first thing uh, I wanted to say was when I got the dailies, the, some of the stuff the baby was just crying constantly. <laughs> <I> was, uh, <laughs> first of all, I heard a lot of doors slam in the corridor because nobody could stand a baby crying all day long. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the other thing was I was thinking, how is How is this ever going to? Uh, work, how are we ever going to manage this? Fortunately, we had a great sound man who we able to, to uh, pick up the dialogue well enough. Uh, and then we'd just fill in a little bit of crying where the baby wasn't crying, which was quite more rare. Um, uh, but it, it actually, when I saw the, f- the scene again of the two guys trying to figure out how to uh, put a diaper on, it was just hilarious. And then he lifts up the baby and there's six diapers on the baby. <laughs> you know and, uh, very, very funny. But I, I, I was very worried that the, the crying baby was going to be too much. But it turned out to be actually really, really good. Yeah. Great, now, sound,
0: great sound guy. Hank, is this also the same sound guy that would drop the boom in uh, every single shot during the history of the first season? The, <laughs> yes,
4: the boom man was very... Um, Present. Oh, wait, let, let me ask you me know,
0: while I'm on this topic, real quick. As an editor, when you see the boom in the shot, do you
4: are you absolutely like, are you, what's happening? Are you, it must drive you crazy to see that. In, you know, uh, in those days, yes, but in nowadays, it doesn't make a difference. Punch it takes you about thirty seconds to take the boom out, so wow. uh, th- th- that's completely changed. Uh, for instance, when the, the baby throws the spinach. Uh, in uh, Brendan's space. I mean, nowadays you would have a CG baby arm throwing the spinach, you know. It, it's all CG, it's, it's very easy to do all that stuff. Uh, it, it changes. Uh, by the way, Kristen, it's really, really great to see you again. Been a minute. It was such a joy editing your performance, and that you were so good in it. Wow. Uh, and we, we were all. Uh, very much in love with you. So, uh, you know, we, we, it was just wonderful to uh, to work on that uh, performance that you gave during on that episode.
0: As a viewer, also was in love with you. Wow. <laughs> so so that, that worked all the way around on, on that.
3: Thank you Kristen, so much for doing that.
0: Let me ask you, Kristen, when you, uh, how did you find out about this show? And you obviously auditioned for it. What was that process like for you?
3: Well, I actually have a weird connection. I don't remember um, Charles. I guess I would have met you in the in the beginning process, but I actually auditioned for the pilot.
2: Oh, My you were you were given you were given the uh, you're told to come through the golden door. Kristen did not audition. Everybody, you had a lot of fans in the uh, oh. in the in the world, in the spelling world, in the propaganda world, and so there was no. Uh, it wasn't even considered there was no, no so casting did. on this.
3: So well, lucky, lucky me because it, it was it was such a blast. but i I do remember auditioning for the pilot and and my brother and I uh, being asked to test for it and uh, we joke about it to this day. My younger brother, Brian is an actor, and right. and we're sixteen months apart. So, but I remember when I, I I read the script and we're from the Midwest and my mom was a single mom that moved us to Beverly Hills, and I read the script and I was like, no one's gonna care about this. This was my life, and I was going to Beverly Hills schools and like, and I was like, this no one's gonna watch this. So instead, really? an NBC show which was 13 episodes, which was canceled after 10. were so like, oh, good, and, and and you know, and it went on to become this amazing show 90210 and my brother and I definitely still we, we joke about it to this day
0: You could have been Brandon and Brenda maybe
3: Well yeah, no because Shannon and Jason were but yes yes mentally.
2: But you, that's First what you went, you, went it, you went to Beverly yeah. You no. went I, to I
3: I went I my went, Yeah Go on go on I went my freshman year and my senior year
2: mm-hmm. Was John Ingle still there? Was he yes. gone? Yes Yes, John was there. Did you take drama with him?
3: I, you know, I, I did for half a semester, but but then I left. So, uh-huh. I right, that, and then didn't when I was a senior.
2: I see,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. Lori, uh, Lori's, already th- Lori's throwing down questions already. Why was Melissa dressed so proper in comparison to the other students? Students, Excuse me. I don't know what word, what word I was using there. Any, does anybody have a comment on She's that?
9: She's going to Harvard. What do you mean? She's got to dress the part.
7: Thank you, Sarah. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
9: she looked like she should be going to Harvard.
7: Yeah, she did. She looked older, yeah. Yes. I have to say one thing. Yeah. did notice and some of the super fans would definitely notice this. And I'm talking about the people that watch these episodes, multiple viewing that it was, a, he, he's uh, Brandon said he was a junior in this episode. And that was kind of a mistake.
2: the dagger in the heart. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> because, you know, they were
7: juniors for like two years. Cause the first year, I think that you explained this on this podcast that before, is. but it was it was being in limbo without being linked to any particular calendar, uh, you know, one offs not serialized, etc. And then by the second, you know, that Jason
2: up. looked at me like in episode four, I think it was the one with the basketball one on one. He said, You gotta make me a junior man. I don't look like a sophomore do <laughs> I? I don't come <laughs> off like I'm fourteen. I went okay, <laughs> <No>. fine. You <laughs> know, no one thought that was a no more proof that
7: nobody <laughs> thought this was gonna be in basketball. He he was twenty. He wasn't. 20. And
0: nobody ever thought Andrea Zuckerman was a sophomore.
7: <laughs> you
0: know, we're being totally honest with each other. Um. Okay, so let's talk about this, uh, Kristen. You get the script. You're going to audition for Brenda, but then how do you get a call back to say, okay, well that's not, not going to happen. Uh, but do you want to play Melissa? Do you remember how that sort of.
3: I I just remember being able to read an episode and and uh, and being lucky enough to go, like want to go play for a week and you know it was and and of course and yeah yeah of course the answer was of course yes <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. and, and we- it was sweet role it was you know it was it it was a challenging role to play a mom and like you know there was crying scenes which I always panic about you know. There has to be like real tears as it happens in a scene. I'm always like, oh my God, I don't sleep the night before. So I do remember having anxiety over that. Um, yeah, but it was great.
0: What if nothing happens? What if you have to cry and nothing happens? Is this an actor's it, nightmare? Is this it, like- a-
3: I think you do that once as an actor and then you're like, oh, I that can never happen again, which is what happened to me. And right. like, how do you, how do you foolproof this? And so, you know.
0: Do you have a method now that you have a foolproof method on that? I'm curious.
3: It's, it's so dark. And like, so <laughs> but I'm one of those people that has to actually go there. And like, because I I don't fake things in my life at all. Well, I'm not a good faker. So right. yeah, I, I sort of, I, I sort of, uh, I sort of, yeah, just bring, bring myself to that place and like sit in it, which is not fun. You have to do very
0: it. Italian of you I think that's a very Italian thing we do <laughs> <laughs> okay. all right look, this, this, is your, this is one of the first ways that I think we see you here let's let's take a look at this clip
3: get together we just out take steps forward and two steps back we come
5: together
2: this a uh, public performance or should I pretend I'm not listening
5: sorry thought I was alone. I know, so did I. I can leave.
2: No, 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 don't. I hate to eat alone.
5: Alright. I'm Brandon. Hi, I'm Melissa.
0: Do you, do you remember doing some of that uh, stuff with Jason?
3: I think the singing was so horrific that I blocked it out. <laughs> like, um, no, I I do remember because I remember that was the first day and I, and I didn't yeah. know Jason and and he was just a doll. What a loving, like generous, welcoming, warm guy. So, yeah, I remember that day.
2: I remember getting the dailies from day one and thinking how ingenious the director was in the way that he used the tree, that you looped around the tree, how unusual that was. Even though it was on the page, he, he staged it well and you guys pulled it off so well. And that shot where Jay looks around over his shoulder at you, I mean, that was in credits and montages and things like that, I think.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious, uh, Perry, l- y- there was that question that popped up here about fashion. Uh, what did you think of, did you feel that as well when you were watching this episode?
10: Not really, honestly. I mean, Brenda wears like suit and ties to school. So I didn't really think that Melissa's like turtlenecks were that conservative. Yeah. Um, definitely preppy. I got the sense that it was preppy. I hadn't I hadn't this is one of the episodes I actually had not revisited maybe ever every almost <laughs> every other episode I've seen like 30,000 times this and and the next one we'll be talking about I hadn't seen maybe I mean for many years if not in real time so I loved watching this and I I think that I got a preppy vibe but I didn't I didn't really get like an ultra conservative vibe just considering some of the other things that the girls were plus it was like sort of of the time yeah lasers and turtlenecks. It was just very 90s.
0: For sure. Uh, Sarah, you looked back on this for the first time in a long time as a super fan. What, what do you think of this episode?
10: I mean, my first question
9: is how come Kelly didn't know that um, there was a girl in her school with a baby and couldn't warn Brandon? Like, what the heck? She would definitely know. <laughs>
0: Kelly did seem to know about all of that. He yeah. get
2: Darren on the phone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, was, When we leave the episode, I mean there, there, there's a bigger, but well, I'll put it now. I don't have to wait to the end of it. So we were we were balkanized, right? Pretty much. I we, we were getting the stuff done. That was what was important at that point. And the fact of the matter is, is we had done BYOB. Uh those who know the show now, Sarah, like you, or Pe. Pete, we would have stretched a half a season on that plot. That would have been the longest plot. We would have found different ways to do it. He would have met somebody in driving school. Who knows what where it would have gone? But you know, we wouldn't have done it in one episode. But right. we do it. And and meanwhile, I get this script and I call the network because that was an easier form of communication. Dan McDermott, my buddy there, and I call the network and I said, "Look, we just." This guy just got in this horrible accident. And in the next episode, he's driving. It, the, the, the lack of continuity is, 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 is uh, you know, really kind of appalling. And Dan said, well, it's okay. Look, They're not watching that closely. And you have to know that between episodes seven and 14, everybody left us alone, Dan and I. They just left us alone. The spelling wasn't there. The network wasn't there. But, you know, they, they went had done what they are going to do with the show but they had Set the parameters for what they thought the show would be, and they liked Dan is a great executive now, uh, head of um, uh, AMC uh, product, uh, network, and and now us, uh, you know, it, it us, and it was we knew what we were doing. We had it balkanized in this, so um, so that moment happens. We film it. It's in the episode. It's a. Major part of the episode, Kristen. You guys are driving and you know, right. the freedom drive and everything. It's, it, it becomes a metaphor for it, and because of that, the next day I come into work and I have. And this shows you how long ago when we made this show, there is a telegram <laughs> in Western Union waiting for me, and it was from five office workers slash secretaries in New York City, Manhattan and said we watch your show we love your show do not insult us like that again and that's wow. that was you know always a, so whatever question you might have about what Kelly in school and you're absolutely right i mean it was to get the good, you know to get ex, it's a way to get exposition out you know and 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 uh, you know i dismay maybe they hit it you know maybe it was that seemed like a pretty you know now i'll, I'll go count count uh, Counterpoint on you, Sarah, that that it was a um, you know a really closed kind of preppy group, and Kelly was just some younger party girl. They 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 didn't really they were they weren't of the same ilk at that point. Somehow you know, Steve
9: they, knew, but Kelly didn't. No,
0: I'm
2: just kidding. Yeah, well, Steve, you know, Steve knows they, was, they, he might He thought he was the father instead.
0: <laughs> uh, Brad wants to know if Melissa is singing the Paula Abdul song. Yes, right. That's you. That's your voice
3: if you can decipher it in that. Yes, that's what it's supposed to be.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. It is so insulting also that they've removed all of the music from uh, the shows on Hulu and Pluto and everywhere where you watch this show. It's coming up a lot. People are talking about that more now. Um, I'm just... I don't know. Is is that even removed? Is the Paula Abdul singing removed from because it's? I mean, it's it's technically Paula Abdul's song. I I wonder if that's even in the episode. So you might be catching a break on that. It might just be you taking your headphones off. <laughs>
7: yeah. Well, that, that probably was a per. That was a part of the dialogue, Like what her dialogue was. I I don't know for sure. And
0: that's they so definitely not gotten
7: yeah. the right. should have. Yeah. It would have was yeah. a, yeah. a different, a different version. version of it.
4: Um. <laughs> Different versions. I think because uh, I, I was noticing as well that um, there are many different versions out there. Uh, you know, the parachute uh, scene had originally different music, and then later on it had an instrumental, and then it has song. So I've seen different um, versions of the music uh, in this in these episodes. Wow! Uh, yeah. I, quite, I, I didn't quite know how that. Well, oh, the
2: one I went after. And the estate said no, because Karen, I think I remember, one of the first projects I ever did was about Jimi Hendrix and, you know, the life of of Jimi Hendrix based on a book that someone had written. And he was in the Army, and I wanted to have him jump out of a plane and somehow connect that to his music. So I always thought, if you know Jimi Hendrix music, and Hank, I know you know The Wind Cries Mary, that's the one I wanted to have as it went down. And... um, Gosh, they wouldn't license to me. Go figure. <laughs> 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 I think, For uh, a little 90210. Maybe they would have, you know, a year or two later, but not. You know,
4: I, I, when, the, when the scene was still 10 minutes long, because I was in love with it, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it had the cocktail twins on it. I think that's the pre- original uh, presentation. Oh, is that
2: right? Yeah, yeah. probably.
4: How, called, yeah, tell us about
2: cutting this. Tell us about uh, it.
4: Well, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where, uh, as an editor, you really fall in love with the moment. First of all, I mean, when you cut to it, it's just laugh out loud funny when they're sitting with those funny helmets and those purple suits in that airplane. It's it's very funny. But once they get out of the plane and you think, oh, they're just going to cut away, that's the end of it. There was a lot of material um, that you guys shot for that. So uh, you, know, you did it yes it was it was a lot of fun to create them floating in the air and then the the whole thing was was quite beautiful and really well done um so as an editor you fall in love with it and you created this whole documentary on how two girls jump out jump out of the plane but and of course eventually we need to be
2: uh, what was it 47 minutes or something like that 40?
4: right minutes?
2: 40 no even then yeah, it was 42, 43 right. minutes yeah. and we took up two minutes with our title sequence you know we, so, so that was one of the secrets of the show you shoot less if you have a long title sequence you know <laughs> the first, the, first to save scene money. Was the was the first
4: scene that had to be you know practically eliminated was the whole etherical uh, floating through the air scene So this was,
0: did they jump out of a plane? I'm sorry, I don't mean to be ignorant. Did they jump out of a plane or is this, or is it like a a soundstage where they jumped out of like a green screen?
2: Uh, Oh, I wanted to say that it was on our stage, of course. And when they went to sign up at the heliport, you know, to do that, uh, close lookers now look at it. That is the Peach Pit after dark. That was the warehouse that was next to us. That we'd occasionally shoot in. And it's where the Peach Pit After the Dark ended up being. So, so That's okay. what that is. They're right from the first season we were doing that. And I think too. I say saying this to Karen. I'm not sure if it's the same house. But I, I would bet it would be. Uh, especially because Paul was the producer by this point. Instead of trying to find different houses. Uh, in the neighborhood. When we would be in, in Altadena. Doing the Walsh House. We often shot directly across the street. Mm-hmm. Ashes live there, other times live there uh when, when in, in divas. Remember when J- there was babysitting involved, yes. and they went across the street to speak to when Brenda and Kelly were together? That was at the same house. So I want—I bet you this is that same house.
7: Mm. Yes, big house. race. Girls did not actually Jenny and uh, and and Shannon did not actually jump out of the plane. I didn't think so. Yeah. No.
4: no, no, it was in well, that. There, there's, I think you guys had shot some good uh, close-ups of the girls with fans or something, or some, I remember there was some good material that was in. Oh, we had big
2: fans, yeah, going yes. through, I'm sure. It, it, was,
4: it was very well done. So, you know, it, it, as far as I was concerned, it could have lasted 10 minutes, but obviously- There's, uh, there's
2: one other thing, since we've got Hank here, just real quick, Hank, it, it's not as, as theatrical, of course, but, you know, I really love the way that you cut together the moment where we find out that Melissa has a baby, and you cut to all the characters and they're all reacting in this. And it's a, it was such an old-fashioned way of doing television, and yet really effective because you see everybody's reaction in a, in a organized fashion. What did that look like to you? Uh, that was uh, such an outbreak uh, kind of thing.
4: As you know, you know, I came, I came on to the show more uh, that I was on the show was a total surprise to me. Uh, you know, uh, as I told you last time, I, uh, I went to the interview initially with torn jeans and bought some pants on the way to look half decent, um, uh, because the torn jeans was all I had at that moment. Um, but uh, started the trend. So I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, um, how do you say? I hadn't done a lot of television shows, so I did. Uh, let me just be honest. I had done no television shows, before. Mm. <laughs> and so so I had no no. Uh, how do you say um, idea how this should be? I just reacted to the material and to what what we wanted to see and where we wanted to be, um, as opposed to having some sort of. Uh, idea uh, uh, ahead of time and and trying to impose that on the material.
7: And can I just say a word for the post for the post production uh, process because um, the editors are so important and mm-hmm. and the music obviously the sound effects everything and the looping. You know, it's like frequently look at the dailies and you know it's not exactly what was intended or mm-hmm. slight miss, and then you go, okay, we can fix it in post and. You is The editor is rewriting the story or writing the story with the best material you have following the original plan, hopefully, and, uh, you know, uh, it's fixing it. Oh, right? it's
2: the most fun, too, because you can it's point to the directors yeah. made this mistake and the writers make this mistake, but mm-hmm. we're going to come in and we're going to fix it. I love hanging out in there. You you know that. Yeah, i it's made so documentaries. Very but, yeah. important.
4: I'm extremely uh, happy that everybody makes mistakes because I wouldn't have a job otherwise. Okay. You, you know that's that's part of what I do, and you know it, it's it's funny because you you spend um, a month with one each episode. You know, uh, looking at the material over and over again, you 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 learn uh, all the little ticks and. And uh, moves of the actors and the actresses, and you, you 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 really get into that whole world. But the the thing that I, I learned from from nine hundred two one zero is that you know to allow the material to drive it as opposed to your pre um, fixed ideas, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, 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 I, you, uh, you remember, sometimes, Charles, I would ex- accidentally leave out a scene uh, because I was just going with the flow, and you would come in and go, but where's that other scene? it?" Oh, God, I don't remember. And, uh, <laughs> I, I skipped over that page. That makes me
2: nervous <laughs> just hearing about it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I want was, to ask Kristen you know, a couple of questions. Yeah. You know? There was always a good reason for it. Uh, uh, and, Kristen, uh, I want to know... Uh, uh, yeah,
0: I want to ask Kristen, um the song Joey by Concrete Blonde becomes this big time song in the episode. I mean, I think we all kind of have it in our head the whole week after we hear it. Um do you identify with that song when you hear that song Joey uh, if you ever hear it somewhere?
3: Um I, I don't know. I don't. I want to say yes, but no, I don't. I don't.
7: Be honest, Kristen. It's okay. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, funny.
3: We're a Monk fan. teaching. I I don't. I actually am one of those people that don't actually know the song. Like, I love music, but I actually don't. I don't even know what song that is. Are you allowed to, like, hum it? Uh, let
0: me see. I might have a clip here. I don't know if Todd sent <laughs> it to me, but... Uh, I think I. Well, no, I don't. I don't have it. I'm sorry.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's Pete. Scared. He, he. He'll tell you. You know, if he plays oh, the music. Okay.
0: All right, that's it. There don't. Nobody should yell at us at that. With that. <laughs> do, do you recall that song at all? I. I, like,
3: I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard that song before. <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought it was like maybe I really haven't heard that song.
2: So that's that amazing. song became a hit, right? Yeah. A hit? Yeah. yeah, I
3: thought
7: so. You consider that a <laughs> hit, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what do you think about the? Um, yeah,
7: i love For 30 years, she could have oh. been just wistfully reminiscing over this song. Yeah, I know.
3: The- i not <laughs> on that. On that, but I, I don't. Yeah.
0: Maybe moving forward when you hear that song never. Now you, I will <laughs> think about that. You're
9: gonna start crying in the grocery store. That's
0: right. <laughs> um I'm curious, Melissa, when you look back on this episode, did it bring back a lot of good memories? Was working with the cast all very fun for you? Uh just kind of want to get your thoughts on that before we switch over to the other episode.
3: Um, my gosh, everybody was amazing. You know, I I uh I still know Tori in my life today. And uh And, you know, um, yeah, Jason was wonderful. I mean, it's such a great, it's such a great cast and a great group of, I mean, we were kids, we were all babies then. It's so crazy. Tori and I, our kids go to to, uh, grade school, went to grade school together. So our daughters were very close friends. So it's been fun to, yeah, it's really sweet. It's been fun to sort of have these parallel lives with so many people. We all ran around together and that sort of, uh, you know, it was a very, close little group of people that sort of saw each other in auditions all the time and we would see each other at parties all the time so it's special that show has a special place in my heart Jason Priestley I think is just one of the greatest and and uh, and so talented and I was just so happy to be a part of it yeah.
0: Very awesome. All right, Kristen, we're going to say goodbye to you. Thank you for stopping yeah, by you. here. Thank you, guys you so much. So amazing in that episode. And thank uh, just thank you so much for spending the time with us here.
3: My pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Right. Thank
0: you. All right. We're going to say goodbye to Kristen. And we're going to move our topic to the other episode. Uh, but before that... I am going to play an ad as I bring everybody in. So
1: check it. We have so much new and exciting merchandise over at Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com. You can get your own Peach Pit shirt or Welcome to Beverly Hills shirt. Or, oh my God, check out that classic retro Beverly Hills 90210 shirt. Oh, and for you Claire Arnold fans, Peach Pit you can get yourself a Claire Arnold t-shirt. I mean, we pretty much have everyone and everything covered from Dylan McKay to Ray Pruitt. I mean, we even have a Roy Randolph shirt. So don't be a squeeze. Head over to Beverly Hills, 90210 show shop.com and get on it.
0: All right. Well now joining us here uh, is Louisa Leshin. Did I say that right? Yes. Right.
2: Leshin. Hi. <laughs> hi oh, Louisa. Hi.
0: It's so awesome. have nice been you
2: all this time. Thank you for coming.
0: Also, Chuck Rosen said we need another mystery guest. So here's <laughs> Richard Rodriguez.
6: <laughs> oh, my <brother>. my <laughs> Hi, Rudy. John.
2: Hi, John. How are you? Wow.
6: It's good. Hi, John. Louisa, how are you? Good. This great.
0: Yes. You guys probably haven't seen each other since back at the uh, back at the park. You know. <laughs> I, I mean
6: I Luisa and I have worked together after that and, and uh, we did a lot of stuff and took yeah. classes and stuff like that. It's and a small became, community,
11: you uh, can't get rid of anybody. <laughs>
3: everybody knows everybody. I, mean,
0: <laughs> I had such a hard find hard time finding Carla, but she's so good in these episodes. Have you guys run into Carla at all in, in your in your time doing this?
6: No, that was it.
2: That
6: was yeah. it for me.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think it was also it for her. There really aren't. If you go on that IMDb, and my IMDb is so fouled up that I don't ever recommend anybody to go on IMDb. I just really? At public service. Oh yeah, it's
7: them. not. It's not accurate.
2: People take. I know that. I
7: oh yeah, for right.
2: me. So I just who cares?
7: But the um, uh, why did I bring it up?
0: I don't know. I'm um, finding, finding for, uh, Yeah. Or, um, um, can
7: I just say to point out? Just oh, let us. Uh, identify our lovely guests at what yeah. role they played in the episode and who you're talking about and what role she played. Okay. <laughs>
0: Louisa played uh, Anna, our house the the housekeeper, right? Yes. And then John Vargas played Richard Rodriguez in this episode, the, the cop that we don't know who's a cop that he's a cop, right? Yeah. It takes a minute to figure that out. Uh and then Carla we're talking about is you know the lead character. I think her real name is Carla and she's also Carla in the in the
2: that's uh, where we were. So we're talking about Carla that, that this is basically her only credit. I mean, she maybe was so there was beautiful. one after. She, she obviously really, we the, the craft service wasn't good. It obviously <laughs> had some impact
4: because she, she was so
2: good. She is so beautiful. And, um, you know, this is a, such a, a, a an episode that means so much to us personally. And I'm really happy. I Pete also got some. We did a little interview with the director of the episode, Dan Adias. Who um yeah. set some up in in with Hank and and uh, look forward to whenever you you can yeah, we'll play, we'll play or some or some of the, those
0: clips for sure. Yeah but let's talk about east side story. You know okay. let's let, let's talk about the development of this storyline Chuck and maybe Karen. Chuck story you.
2: Well um this uh episode was the final one of the first 12. Hmm. And uh it was developed independently. And when it was delivered, Dan Adias, who directed so many of the 20 of our episodes and most of them in the high school years and the ones you remember, Commencement and the gun show and everybody's talking about all the ones that, that later in general art he had done. And, and this was his next one. And he reads it and he goes, it, it's just never going to be better than a C. It's just going to be very average. You can shoot it, you know, what was passing as television in that time. This would be fine. Because what it all was about was going to the dance. What you saw as the dance mm. was the entire episode built to this dance. Mm. Going to the dance, are they scared to go to the dance? Will they go to the dance? They think they're going to the dance, but maybe they're not going to the dance. Oh, there's the dance. That's pretty much the hour. And Um, and, and Dan said that, you know, we could do better. And I, and I thought the series at that point, we were really at a crossroads.
5: I'm not sure how
2: stable we were in the firmament of, um, of, uh, of, of the series itself. There was questions. Would we be now? We were nearing our 12th. We didn't have other episode orders. We only had script orders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we really, we'd be cautious. And I... Uh, decided to do something I hadn't done, and it's really the sign of kind of a you know a, a rookie producer in some ways. I threw out the episode. We started effectively from scratch, and uh, mm-hmm. and so we went into prep, a period of time where the director is supposed to walk. We didn't have a script. Oh, what wow. we did have was the what we did get started on early because Paul Wagner, our producer, was very good with this. Is the dancing it still became, you know, the sequence is, it's funny. Cause here it is, we're doing a, you know, an interesting character and a flip of stereotypes, uh, an interesting cop show in its own way. I did a television movie for CBS about witness protection. And when I had to pull the story out of somewhere, so we kind of merged some of that material in here uh, with your character, John. Um, but uh, you know, it was, um, the, so the dance was, was, uh, you know, special and done in its own little uh, soundstage just north of ours, two blocks north on our own little um, warehouse. I'm sure we, you know, put kind of a little down and dirty, but that's the way they wanted to feel. And, um, And so, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself because it was a very difficult script to write for me. I was so burnt out.
7: And hi, Karen. Hi. To talk about <laughs> I'm sure Karen is not
2: always credited for. You know,
4: I am uh,
7: not credited on this script, but yes, <laughs> we, this was one of those. This was a turning point script, really, in in both for the show and for yeah. uh, and for Chuck's writing career, actually, because there had been some projects prior to 90210 where he, you know, asked for my help or I would help him out, you know, as a as another writer um come in with another set of eyes help him here and there with comedic things whatever but you know as time went on he could do it by himself but you know it was another it was helpful to have a spouse writer uh but this one was like oh my god we're we have like five days and it's over christmas What was, wasn't it like very short time okay. and yeah. and and it was um and it was... Ch- I Chuck- would sing Hark Chuck- the Herald Angels
2: Sing every time i sit down to the uh, computer, was- like, somebody help us. Can it anybody was very write? Very much under the gun.
7: And Chuck was just going to write it himself. You know, we have three little babies, three children, small children, et cetera. It was Christmas. It wasn't... It hadn't been on my schedule to do it, but we just sort of found the help and just, you know, closeted ourselves and just churned it out in a couple of days. It was very... it was very um and the
2: interesting postscript on it is: is yeah. Mister Spelling supported me in the effort that okay, you want to rewrite it? You've earned that. You've done this. You've worked hard. It's coming into Christmas. You do what you you want to do on that. And when he got the script, what he wrote, he always wrote little notes on it, and sometimes more, and, and this. But this one was 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 great. It's one of them I've kept. that said, "Well, now you've done it." <laughs> All the episodes have to be this good from now on. Oh, that's cool. And and yeah, and you think that's a big praise, but at the same time, it's you idiot. <laughs> Realize how hard it is to do that because Aaron, you know, was uh, was a little bit of a factory, the spelling production were sure. pre-9020. Mm-hmm. So it was um, but it was so it was a turning point for me. Luisa, I think you do know that because your character was in some of the early episodes that, and I do think you also know I am originally from Beverly Hills and, and even in college had a lot of friends who were uh, LA kids who at Marlborough or, or then was the Harvard school or, or Marymount or different ones like that. And all of those households had domestic help, had kids, you know, cooks and this is, this, and they were always Hispanic. Sure. And Latina. And so that was there. That was built in. It was the LAI knew your character was going to be there once a week in this. And it would lead to interesting stories like this. Oh, Mr. Spelling was real uncomfortable with Cindy Walsh, uh not cleaning and cooking for herself when when you know Carol really wanted to go out in the world and Rice, right. you know, something yeah, that. Carol,
7: just teenage kids she could have a career that could mm. be the source of some interest. Not that I got to college, no, no.
2: she's gonna realize that, right? That I we enjoyed having your character on the oh, no,
11: you you could not have been more gracious or or lovely. The atmosphere was wonderful, but I, I don't know if you know this, I am now a writer myself. Uh, um, I was
2: just about to give you kudos because I did.
11: So uh, this is remember
2: so you for that and and George Lopez mm-hmm. that was uh, that's the real deal that's a real big show thank good good Yeah work. well good work.
11: I've been very Many fortunate from George I I mean for the last 20 years I've been a writer a working writer but one of the things I was going to say about this episode that that in in rewatching it you know what you did was yes you know it's like everybody had had a housekeeper or whatever so It is what it is, you know? But in in trying to break open the boundaries, what you did was created a story that allowed someone like Carla Montana, and this wasn't her only role. It might've been her, I don't know if it was her first, but she she did quite a few films and then I'm hoping she's got some fabulous retirement in Hawaii or something. (laughs) Uh, We can imagine that. But that was a magnificent role that was incredibly, difficult to come by you know as 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 Latino actors which John who's a phenomenal actor you know classically trained we we were in a in a repertory company together and and he you know I mean there's nothing he can't do but of course the industry only allows you to play you know, this width of character. So what you did with that Carla Montana character, the Carla character, that gave her such scope and it was such a wonderful guest star role as with John's, but hers in particular, that, you know, it was kind of a star creating role, which is, again, it's it's all part of, of, of what was the problem and probably you know where where oh we we, we don't have any latino stars well there's nothing to play that's going to make you a star you know so that's why i truly well,
7: love it you for, for for
6: so I know, if i can can i yep. interject one of the things that in watching it over again i don't and it was the reveal at the end for carla that she you know that they the the kid confessed her father's a professor at a at a university. Was I went ooh because here I'm seeing you know the Latinos on, on camera speaking with distinction, you know, uh, no accents. She was a smart, you know, you, you, you set it up at the beginning that she's a smart girl and she takes all these classes and she's interjecting it and and speaking her mind. Um, and, and so I just went, Wow, what year was this again? Because right. the the uh, just the, the way that the prejudice and the stereotypes were dealt with was, you know, off the page. It was like, Wow, this is you know I you know, I worked for Mr. Spelling. I, he thank God for him me <laughs> a break and and, and and I did a series for him. Uh, so I know what you when you were saying about you know uh, having her in there all the time and it, it and I was playing the stereotypical character in a comedy you know which by the by the the twelfth episode I was starting to go okay the joke is we got the joke you know but this was I, I was really impressed with the handling of that way back in the nineties, you know, it was- Well, uh, thank
2: you very much. I wanted to share with the both of you and, and everyone else that, that um, you know, as you know, we made it, we threw it together, Hank Dan directed it, Hank cut it, it went on the air and we were doing everything else we had to do and now we're doing summer episodes. So I'm not even thinking about this episode when I get a call from the people who do the Imagine Awards oh. to tell me that I'm not winning an award but I should be winning an award. And So she made them give me a citation and please come to the luncheon, and so I did. And what was fascinating about it, what I remember best about it, was that the it was a small room, by the way. It, you know, it was for to promote, you know, the, the Latino performance in this in in on television in um in film in you know Hollywood, and it wasn't. They weren't knocking down doors to get in there in 91, and Jimmy Smith and Gloria Esteban were the hosts. And I remember Jimmy Smith saying, guys, we're only this percentage of the audience, but someday we're going to be this percentage of the audience, and you're going to be coming back for us, and, and, and indeed, uh, life is funny that way. But that's what I I, I take away and remember best. I remember. I you remember.
11: Know, I remember sitting with you at that table at that luncheon because it was very small and it was in the very, very early years of that. And just to add a coda to that, um, uh, last year I, through the Imagen Awards, which are now held at. You know, Those
6: are huge.
11: I with- won. <laughs> <laughs> The Norman Lear uh, Lifetime Achievement Writing Award. I'm sitting at lunch with you and being so proud to be there. You know, it's like cut to twenty years later. So
2: Yes, but you also no, I'm right. You you did also uh, improv and stand up and uh, things like mm-hmm. that too. You 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 uh You've always been a multi talent <laughs> you know, Let's, uh, you know, let's take a look mean, at one of
0: the here. Let's take a look at some of the work that you guys did. Uh, this is when they tell everybody about uh, Carla.
4: Brenda, could you come down here for a minute?
6: I want you to meet Anna's cousin, Richard Rodriguez. Brandon, Brenda. Finally, I get a chance to meet you. Anna's been telling us how terrific you both are.
8: Well, we think she's pretty terrific, too. Isn't that right, Mom?
10: Oh, absolutely. Is everything all right? Everything's fine. Um,
8: I'm not sure I know where to begin.
6: Oh, here, let me try, Mrs. Walsh. Your parents are being very kind. Anna has a niece that attends one of the local high schools here that's been having some, well, some trouble. Yes, uh, Carla's very smart. She's a straight-A student, but with the gangs and drugs, it's it's terrible. And it's depriving her of the opportunity to get the kind of education that she deserves. So your mother and I want to let Carla use our address to enroll in West Beverly. You'd do that?
0: Not normally, no. But under the circumstances, I think it can be justified. Fine with me?
10: If you don't have a problem with it, I don't have a problem with it.
6: Well, then it's all settled. <sighs> Thank you. You know, uh, we could show around if you want. Well, you can try, but Carla doesn't like to attract a lot of attention to herself. I understand.
0: There you go. So that's uh that's how we met Carla. Do you uh Luisa and John, start with Luisa? Do you remember shooting that uh some of those things? I do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's
11: uh, it's a little hard to watch. Age, age is such a
2: <laughs> <Right>.
3: fast, fast. <laughs> You look exactly the same.
6: Yeah, you both look great. <laughs> that- I, I was I was when I was watching it I I had uh, a shock of gray hair coming through that black beautiful hair and that's what started all of this and I was going, oh my god I look like I was
4: 14
0: <laughs> Uh Louise do you I mean what do you think about looking back on that scene and this episode in general
11: Okay, I, I mean, if I'm going to be truthful, I, I don't know that I remembered that scene specifically. Okay. Um, you know, um, but as I said about the episode, I, it it was I I had not realized it was very refreshing to see something that early on in the in the early '90s, you know, that that had such a good heart and it was really trying to do something. I mean, one of the reasons that I became a writer was out of absolute desperation and and just kind of there's got to be more to my life than playing housekeepers and i i worked nonstop i mean That's i it. when when i started and i I had a comedy group called Latin's Anonymous, and we did a roll call, you know, a roll count of all the roles we had played. I'd been pregnant six different episodes of six different shows. I was a drug deal on Heart to Heart. I was a gang girl, the uh, Andy Garcia's gang girlfriend. I was then, as I aged, I became the gang girlfriend's mother. It, you know, mm-hmm.
2: so- <laughs> and it was
11: always with a heavy accent, which, by the way, you allowed me and everyone else not to have. Set a heavy accent on the show, which was also hugely progressive. But it is go. I can't do this anymore. And and I think one of the things that the show actually made me see was that you could make a difference, and the difference was in the writing. That you have you had to come into this from a higher place, not not be the the, the actor of the week because you don't have the, that kind of power. Mm. And so. It was a huge inspiration to then really pursue the writing and try to make a difference. And and that was my agenda from the very beginning, and I made no bones about it. I, I want to write so I can write better characters for Latino actors. Go
2: ahead, Chuck. You well, you it. have, and you should be very... Uh, it's um, great
7: to hear, though. Uh,
2: yeah. for that, absolutely. But I, I want to say, when we looking at it, one of the things that um, that I looked at, again, was how Brandon expressed his outrage mm. and how it was it was the 17, 16-year-old boy as opposed to someone older um, talking about the same subject. And it's a subject I knew something about, Barry, and I'm going to find some of this stuff. And I told you I wrote for the California Apparel News, and that was basically women's wear of Los Angeles, and we had a thriving uh, apparel industry downtown. And I was a business reporter, not a fashion reporter. And I would sometimes have to go out and interview CEOs and different things and different companies and profiles. I was a freelance, permanent freelance form, and I'd wear a white shirt and a tie. And I went out with one of the business reporters because we were going to do, um, you know, one of the shops that are that are doing the work for one of the companies. And we walk through the wrong door, walk through the side door off the alley, and seventy-five people behind. Um, sewing machines ran in the other direction. Wow! Like guys, dots, and yeah. uh, that stuck with me. Uh, so, so the no- notion of having a character like Chick Schneider was, you know, it it the double edge. He's giving employment, and yet the employment can be sketchy. And so, it's something that you know wanted to play with that character. And I did like that one moment when when got when the actor an interesting sidelight about him as well when the actor says, well, you know, you're probably right and we'll know someday in the afterlife. Yeah, he, did, he didn't dismiss it as saying you're a left-wing piece of shit. You know, he realized oh, yeah. it was a passionate young person's argument uh, in in one sense, but also one that, you know, really looked at, at inequalities. He just didn't quite know how to...
7: You mean, you know, you're referring to when uh, Brandon criticized Jim... His father about the... Yes. Cousin, well, the and, and the working
6: yeah, and, the work yeah, and, we're and we're that kind of thing. Yeah, and
7: that was uh, Mark, actor, Mark Lano.
6: Mark Lano, and <laughs> what I want to
2: say about Mark Lano is two things. Mark Lano um, acting was it was like the fifth thing on his or tenth thing on his life. Mark Lano was the Bud Bud Friedman's partner so in in the in- corner the of improv. the improvs. So the Improv was Mark Lano, and Mark sold that out. Did very well when he did, and. Karen and I met him four or five, I guess it was four years ago, three years ago, because my, Lindsay uh, Rosen Passman, who was the writer-director of Cruel Intentions, the musical in, in New York City, mm. Uh, mm. The, the, um, when it was there, um, he was there too. You know, it was, uh, oh, wow. you know, that he was the backer. <laughs> he was there the opening night, and he's the guy who was wow. backing the show. Or the oh, wow. production company that was making it. We were just parents. Believe me, we weren't making it. We were just selling in our daughter. But you know what a small world. I said you were in the episode, and uh, <laughs> you know, and he made the clothes and So did what did you think of those clothes, uh, oh, Perry? Perry, the, 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 the clothing line. Woman, you know, <laughs> I love
3: them. I I love them. I
10: I. It was so funny watching the scene when Brenda got the shipment. First of all, that she used the word "rude" to describe them—I guess that was slang at the time—and right. meant like "cool." Um, I guess, it was yes, so, I guess. so funny, and that was just so that 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 was the only thing that dated the episode was Brenda's use of that slang. <laughs> <It> was, like, <laughs> I Writing
4: the word "rude" time.
2: it was really tough <laughs> for me, and still remains tough for me to write the word "oh, that's dope." I, I've never been real good at that because I mean, it always had a different connotation.
10: It mean, was so to me, funny. You know? I just never heard that. It was, it was so, it was so great. I mean, seeing those neons, that's totally back now. I just, I love them. I loved, I mean, I just, I also remember coveting clothing like that when I was of age watching the show in real time. I was probably like 11 when this episode aired. And that's how I dressed, or at least that's how I wanted to dress. You know, that's right. how I would, like, my mom to allow me to dress in like crazy neon. So I felt that was very true.
2: Well, when we turned into this being the 13th episode in this episode, we also changed, um, costume designers. So this was Diane Kennedy's first uh, episode. I want to say to Karen,
0: I think that this script is phenomenal. We've just been talking about it over and over. Everybody has been saying that. So, uh, man props to what you did in that room during Christmas. Um, do you remember writing anything specifically, and hearing what everybody is saying about the tone, and how 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 you came at it, or how they think that you came at it? Was that important to you when you were writing this?
7: Well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking. What just popped in my head was a script that Charles had tried to get off the ground before before he was a, a showrunner, which is called Tulio and the The tall tales of the. I was going to
2: bring up Tulio, yeah.
7: Which was inspired by our wonderful housekeeper. Our actual housekeeper came over from uh, Guatemala, and their family of eight siblings. You know, and we knew them all, and it was just it just inspired a great story. So we had that part of it, you know, in our hearts to show that you know, gosh, these people are like our grandparents were. They came here. And they were the next generation of immigrants, and they were wonderful family people, hardworking, da 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 da. Um, and you know, we had, I we have the same same. They still are in our are, are part of our family today, yes, thirty years later. So uh, that's how it is. But, you know, but part. It, It's um. We just try to give the love story some reality. Try to make it have some reality, and so, you know, the little. Now we call them microaggressions, you know, in the in the Black Lives Matter context, the little the little slights or things that you say that were she bristled at it, you know, and in getting their relationship going, um, you know, with Brandon they kind of were fighting, which kind of implies some kind of tension there, um, and uh, and just and he's trying, you know, they really had tremendous chemistry that came. Mm-hmm after the writing phase that we were lucked out with that, that they connected so well to the material. And I will I will give myself a pat on the back for the romantic part of it as that it-,
2: it And I think, I think also because Brandon was from Minneapolis and in that time, the Carla, you know, the Carla Montana, they weren't, they weren't there. They weren't there. I mean, he did not have real exposure to um, uh, characters like Carla- and Latinos so didn't and, have any and, and, interest, in but... Minneapolis. I mean, that was the, that's what we were projecting. So he, you know, it was very exotic and yet it became very, very real for, for both for them. Both
0: well, something else happens in this episode. Uh, I want to show this clip.
7: Do you like to dance?
0: Is this my chance? Brandon dances. Brandon
2: dances. <laughs> and that was, you don't see that too much after that. A few times he had. I don't to, think he ever see it
0: again. Yeah. Yeah. Not like and that. Maybe so dancing.
2: It's yeah. interesting when I look at that, but I want to hear what you uh, about cutting your ink. But I also just have to, to point out, you know, it, it was a really good song to choreograph. And that was the reason to, and I like you, and it was a romantic thing. The other song, and I think I've told you this on our first one of these podcasts, Pete, the other show that the other song that was brought to me was and it sounded so crazy that someone would be going dance now. You know, and it didn't you know, and, and, and did once the narrative, but I remember being in there, Karen, with Jordan Booty, and we both went, This is the
3: song we should be using,
2: but well, we're going to be using this one instead. And, uh, <laughs> in that. Well, also,
11: the choreographer did because I, I did I read it right that it's Richard Montoya.
2: That's exactly right. In so he's experiment. from Culture
11: Clash. That was so Culture fun to, to see yeah. that he yeah. did an amazing That's job. Amazing. I didn't know that he could do mm-hmm. that.
2: There's a
0: lot of amazing things happening there. Dan Addiots, the way he pushes in the shot, you know, coming into the club, you feel like you're really there. The way Hank cut this. Let's talk to Hank about cutting this. Uh, this this scene. Do you re- first of all? Do you remember cutting the episode? Do you remember cutting that specific The uh, dancing specifically.
4: I- uh, uh, it's a little soft uh, the memory on that on that, but I, I really remember <laughs> this is seventy five productions ago. <laughs> um, no, I do I do remember um, being amazed at the dancers because mm-hmm. uh, um, I had done uh, quite a few uh, like music videos for songs, and So I was very comfortable with that material. And 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 in this case, I uh, then wanted to do something different. We wanted to play much more in wides, you know, and and stay away from a, a lot of quick cutting. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, and I thought it was going to work. But when I saw the dailies, it was I was really so annoyed for how good this uh, this group was. Man, they were really really good dancers. It made my life. So easy because uh, you know this was uh, literally you could put it together in a few hours. You didn't have to um, try and make the moments work. The material was already good. The song was great. Um, yeah. So I, so I don't have a a, a very uh, clear memory of doing it, but that just because it was just an, it was an easy. This was an easy day for me in the editing room when that you know,
7: came in. Can I just say, I bet that Jason Priestley, now that he has reached fatherhood and some other stages of life, I bet you. He dances. I bet. <laughs> Hopefully not like that. <laughs> he, to dance, he would yell. At I would say, "Oh my god, I can't do it!" I and then when I saw we made him dance, I forgot with, with Nikki, with the other girlfriend, we made him dance with her too, right?
0: Yeah, we'll have to, yeah. have to bring that up. We'll get data. You know,
7: his wife and, is a major fit fitness instructor, and she's yes all with the moves. And and I, I see where
0: you're going. Yeah, I, I see. I can't you're
7: imagine going. that that yes. she has not persuaded him. Uh, at one time or another, to have a little.
0: I was. I would imagine that Hank, after looking at the dailies, was like Jason, after seeing Jason Priestley dance, say, "Never again." Like <laughs> 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 just it, it, a note. It got
4: a right. big laugh. You know.
0: Yeah. Uh, you right. it the
4: First time it was a big laugh because it was so the the bad white man. Uh, <laughs> Depth,
0: you know. He was in character. He was trying to do that for the part. It, ma- it, ma- okay. it made sense. Okay. Well, here's what Dan Aykroyd had to say about working with uh, editors and working with you, Hank. Oh.
2: What What do you want from an editor? What do you What What do you look for? How do you know you've done so many episodes? And I'm sure there have been the range of you ripped to some phenomenal editors, and then there's some that are what I used to always call glorified AFI. Mm-hmm. So. What do you what what do you look for? And how do if you have any memories of how Hank fit into that in this? Yeah, and then what's your style? Do you talk to an editor every day? Uh you know, that's, or things
8: like that. That's, yeah, that's a good question. And uh you know, I'm unusual among directors, I mean at least I'm told that by editors, and then I check in with the editor every day. I'll call the editor Then the, you know after he's seen dailies, after or she has seen dailies or had a chance to work on them. I I like to kind of call them and tell them kind of this is this is kind of what I had in mind when I was shooting. But I also want I I also always ask them to cut it the way they feel it works best, because I know I can always come in and and get it to what I thought it was going to be. But they may show me something that I didn't even think about that the footage reveals to them or speaks to them in a different way. So I'm always interested in what they, but, but I would want them to know what was in my mind anyway, so that they can, you know, either make you, it might make sense of the footage I shot. And I'm always, and I'm always interested in feedback too, like what worked for you, what didn't. So I, I'm very hands-on in that way. Um, and what I look for is what I look for in anybody in these, in this field is I want a, I want a storyteller. You know, I want, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is when editors just kind of cut formulaically, like, well, we're in an over the, we start of course with the master and then you go into, you know, an over and then you go to single and, and then you drop back at the end into a watch. You know, it's like, it's like when it's cookie cutter, you're, you, I know the person isn't responding to the nuance moment to moment storytelling that 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 they have an opportunity to do, um, so I like editors that take chances to really kind of explore nuance and really are very aware of the subjective experience of the audience at every moment. Um, and then, you know, there are people who may be like that but whose taste I don't agree with. That can be difficult. <laughs> it's like they want to <laughs> tell a different story than I think is the story. And that, so that's, that's an issue. So like with Hank, it was a joy because he, uh, I really appreciate his sensibility and his sensitivity. And he he would often kind of show me something in a new way that I hadn't thought. I said, "Oh, that's great. You know it's like you know some an editor can do something inspired, like do something you, sorry that you'd never even consider. It's like, wow, cutting cutting out a middle section or using this shot much earlier in the scene that I had thought was going to be later in this scene. Oh, it opened up a new dimension. So mm-hmm. It's it's a very plastic medium, as you know, too, having kind of spent a lot of time in the editing room yourself. You can overhaul a whole scene. You can make it mean something completely other than what it might have started out just by juxtaposition, just by where you position things. And what I so I want from an editor is just sensitivity, someone who is really consulting themselves, as I do when I'm directing, is like at every moment just asking the question, how does this feel? How does this make me feel if I did this? Well, how would I feel if I do this? I'm so doing that? How does that make me feel? Mm. It's like I want someone who's touched with their feelings because that's what the that's what we're dealing with. that's what the audience is is experiencing.
0: Really nice stuff. And Hank yeah. <laughs> you won an Emmy right for for Watchmen I'm not making that up oh, so yeah. your, your work is absolutely wow. incredible.
2: Second one. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. What was the first one Hank yeah. What was the first Sorry. Emmy? Lost. Lost. Did ah, you shoot the pilot? Did you cut the My other pilot?
4: For the finale? Oh the finale. Cut the finale. Oh. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm always I haven't asked Jack Bender to come on the show yet, but
4: uh,
2: <laughs> one of our ace directors, of course, was the pilot he directed the pilot yes. of, of Lost. And they yeah. got so used to doing huge productions and he was one of the few American directors brought out to do um uh Game of Thrones. We would do one or two of those a year. So. Yeah, we, we really lucked out when, when he came came around.
0: Um, I want to give Sarah an opportunity to pop in with any thoughts or questions here for this particular episode. Uh, you got anything on your on your thought mind right now?
9: Um, no, I was just going to say. I mean, with both of these episodes, I feel like it's so interesting because I immediately was taken back to like that senior breakfast when you see all of Brandon's like girls like through the years. And what's so interesting about this show is. I found myself getting so invested in these storylines, even though I knew that they were like one episode. And I think that with Brandon specifically, it's it's so interesting to me that it took a while for him to get like a several episode art girlfriend, but I still found myself invested in all the the mini little love moments. And I think that's partly because Jason Priestley had such good chemistry with everyone, and partly because you guys wrote them as smart, cool women that you do want to you know root for, whether it was Melissa or Carla. So I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, very, very true. How about you, Perry, any thoughts about that?
10: Um, I mean, I totally agree. I I always thought that season one felt, I mean, probably by design, I'm sure, obviously Chuck and Karen can speak to this, but I always felt that season one was much less serialized. I felt that every episode was much more standalone, including like Sarah said, the fact that Brandon had different girlfriends and you didn't have to follow along the way you did when you got to like season four, season five. Right. Definitely, you couldn't, I I felt like you couldn't really jump in in season four the way you could in season one because every episode was so perfectly packaged.
0: Yeah, and it was really great going back to watching these two, I, I might have said this again, but, you know, because I do love to sometimes just watch a one-off episode of Beverly Hills 90210 and be like just in, into that particular story and not have to think too deep about well, so-and-so, because it's, it's come up a bunch in the questions about the inconsistencies in season one. But Chuck, I'm curious when you hear about the inconsistencies in season one, does it kind of like, you can't go back and you can't change any of that, but do you wish that you could, uh, you, you know, say, I do this, do that. I wish that I would have made that a little bit more consistent.
2: Not really. We were just scrambling to get through. Damn, <laughs> you were the Deadline. You on that TV show. DEA, is that you? You on the me? show? DEA, yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay, many of you, you guys don't know D- D- uh, DEA, do you, and our fans don't know it. And the reason is, is because the network choked their writer producers so tight they couldn't deliver enough episodes on time to meet the order. Right. Well, they were squeezing me tighter. But I made a mistake, and everybody wrote the first six episodes. We went forward with those stories. And why did we get so behind the eight ball, Perry? Because they wouldn't let us serialize the series. They forgot to tell me that. I'd already been a writer-producer on Staying Elsewhere. I already had worked on one of the, you know, uh, know, cutting-edge kind of serialized show at the time. I knew how to do it and the great thing was at one point I had the executive get mad at me because I wasn't doing it the way that they did it on St. Elsewhere and he had no idea that I was in the room for the first season <laughs> of St. Elsewhere. I like, you know how they did it and this was how we did it. But they didn't yeah. want cereal and so we there was standalone in one and there was mostly standalone in two. Sometimes you could do a two-parter but it really we really weren't allowed to do story arcs until we really even hit the second well the, the triangle yes the triangle started that but yeah.
9: what i will say also just as a as a fan really quickly is like even though the you know they definitely feels like standalone episodes the roots are there like as yeah. we said you don't see brandon dance a lot even in the last episode like seeing kelly and brenda like starting to fight over a guy and just i feel like the characters were still so consistent <clears throat> throughout even though it was like a A standalone kind of thing so that was still cool to also look back and see that that was definitely still brandon social warrior brandon was born here social justice warrior
0: (laughs) yeah you could see all the characters we've talked about that before where the characters are sort of finding who they are in that first season for sure Uh, maybe it's better that it wasn't serialized in that season one so that they could you can then build off of what that was anyway brian
9: at the music like you said that was the first time we saw you know david Mm -hmm. behind the behind the booth
0: uh, Jennifer says Jason wrote in his book that he does dance. So, and I was just busting Jason. Mm-hmm.
9: I, I just, can I just say
11: that watching the episode, Jason's his 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 whole being is on screen, and he is every bit as nice as he played that character. And mm-hmm. I remember my first day on set, you know, and here I am. Who am I? I'm 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 playing the housekeeper. I'm you know, he could not have been more welcoming, just incredibly nice. And that just, to me, when I saw the episode, I go, oh my God, you know, that niceness is just, no wonder, you know, he, he blew up and everybody fell in love with him because how could you not? It really came across so nicely.
0: Our, and our, our um, editor friend says, Louisa mentioned earlier, what Jessica mentions a lot when she's on the show, that the show had heart and she, he thinks that season one, uh Has the most, so that's a very nice compliment. that you, Todd H. <laughs> Hank, I'm sorry to make Well, you care. know, it
2: was interesting. It's complimented Charles it it's, it's, down, hard. It's, it's hard. It's kind of hard. What? Oh, so,
4: so what I wanted to yeah. say was, you, you know, know I, I
2: I made a good living, a really good living, for about uh five years, six years, just being a movie of the week writer, and I wrote women and children, and I vote wrote a lot of minorities my say, my calling card script was in this particularly black american african americans and i used to feel that they would have a script and i'd be also called in to do rewrites scripts that weren't quite working and i always had the folks them like having visions of people in offices going
7: get the jewish guy he's got heart
2: get him in here he'll spice up the dialogue you know and that was, and that was those was what i did those things and then of course uh, and then, uh, then now, now a lot of people have heart, or are allowed to have heart. So you know, that's the other thing, you know, the the buyers, and you know, <laughs> shape what you're allowed to put out there. I mean, we've yeah. talked about this, you know, after nine eleven, you didn't, did you really need to have a hundred procedurals where everybody was a potential serial killer? And we wonder why twenty right. years later nobody trusts each other. Well. You know what were you watching at a formidable age? I, it does matter. I did get a master's in that kind of stuff. So here we were watching friendship and hope and and better values. And you know I like shows yeah. that, uh, whether it's on Netflix or or network, that at least try to, to open, and, and and the be open to the cool. human condition.
4: Hank, the was. Were so the topics were so good. I mean that was just. I was really uh, flabbergasted when I started started getting scripts in that you would uh, approach things like date rape and and alcoholism and the gun show you know i did get, i cut the gun show um, where he accidentally shoots himself Hold.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll we'll cover that with you sometime some so don't don't okay. go too far there
2: yeah amen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah you know, we'll back for that world.
4: and of course um, you know um, the the the, the racial situation in Los Angeles, uh, and then um, uh, uh, having a you know a baby as a teenager. That although all that stuff was just uh, uh, the way it was approached and the way it was handled was, it
2: was well amazing. Fox wanted you know we they were edgy Fox yes. was edgy they wanted edgy things and it's interesting because we had, remember I said about the seven and fourteen the network kind of left us alone. Well, finally. Dan McDermott calls me up and says, "Well, you know you really got the social drama down. How about we do one that's more of a comedy and that's how fame is where you found it. find it where Brenda's yeah. Laverne and, and the Hollywood story came from mm-hmm. because they wanted some levity because you know we we were asked to do it this way and you know I took advantage of it.
0: Liz wants to know, Chuck, if you can create something new with just as much heart as early 902.
2: <laughs> Myself, or or, or yeah, exactly for you about. to write
0: something like that? Yeah, that's what you asked.
2: The mayor of Venice. Well, it does. It's about a reluctant angel, and when you make it the core, so maybe yes. Okay, there you <laughs> go. I'm, try, I'm trying. I'm back, Karen. You know, there were years I I really was done with the you know writing scripts, and Karen really wouldn't let me be done. <laughs> and uh, bless you, you and So once we moved out to Venice, I really kind of started. I taught at UCLA but after that you know moving to Venice we moved out the beach I started writing again and this one I'm enjoying and uh, maybe you'll read it Hank yeah I get it done all right brother Well we're
0: gonna be wrapping up here but I think Melissa uh really kind of nails this uh it was it was it was finally a show that treated kids as adults and dealing with adult problems It shaped so many of our lives and I think that is the heart we, we talked about and that right there what Melissa wrote is absolutely. The truth of what 90210 did season one, and I'm going to say all the way to season 10. Not so much eight to 10, but
9: <laughs> there was a sweatshop again later on. So it there came was
0: back. a sweatshop. Yeah. Very oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Zara Brown wants you guys to teach a master class. There you go. So <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: we're doing it this way. We're doing it with Pete.
0: Yeah. Which is fun. <laughs> thank Listen, you, Zach. Uh, Louisa and John, it was so great to have you guys here. Um, and Hank, of course, I can't yeah, wait to have you, you back to talk more about editing and whatnot. And we do have a whole interview that we did with Dan Attius that was tough to fit in here, but I'm going to release that as a bonus uh, for everybody that wants to dig into some of his thoughts on this episode, Sarah and uh, Perry. It's always great seeing you. I love the information and the questions. uh, So this has been a great one. Now, listen, next week, we're going to be diving into Thanksgiving. We've got two big Thanksgiving episodes to come that we're going to cover. We're doing uh, the kindness of strangers and uh, David Cheryl, who was Jack Canner, will be joining us, and Carol Potter will be with us. Uh, Cindy Walsh, so um, Jessica,
2: right? Jessica, Jessica
0: us Ryan, come by. And then we're also talking Breast Side Up, and uh, David's mom's going to join us. So we've got uh, we've got a, and some surprises. You know, clearly we are throwing mystery guests and surprises every week. So uh, stay tuned for that one next week. It should be a lot of fun. All right, guys, I think we rocked this one. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. All so right. So nice bye.
3: seeing you all. Have a Later. good
4: break. Thank you. Bye. you good too. to bye see bye. you both. Everywhere.